Welcome, my name is Michael Dugan, and this is The Change Code, a podcast empowering you to master change. This episode is titled, What is the Most Meaningful, Powerful Moment of Your Life So Far? Many years ago, probably 30 or so, I hired a coach, and of course I got sold into the coaching service, but I see the benefits of a coach from numerous perspectives. And one is that they can give you a perspective of yourself outside of yourself that is different than you have. And that perspective is valuable. But this coach in particular, they asked me this one question. They said, Michael, what is the most meaningful, powerful moment of your life so far? And that's a big question. Whenever you put a word like most or best, what is the most meaningful, powerful moment of your life so far? That question, what it does is it starts initiating um, thoughts in your brain, initiating answers in your brain. And as your brain starts pulling up the data to find out what fulfills that, And it took me a year to figure out what that was, but what she was actually teaching is badass moments. And for years I've been teaching about badass moments and I would write badass moments on the board and when I was young people would go bam. And I think there was a foodie guy that had a show on Lifetime or Netflix or Discovery, the learning channel named M. Emerald and he would go bam, bam. And so people would go bam and they'd they'd bump fists and they'd go bam and do various antics after that, bam. And that came into my life probably 20 years ago. Well, I've been a corporate trainer for 20 years now at this point. And I would say bam. And one day some guy in class said badass moment stands for bam. And so bam is badass moments. And badass moments are these moments in life that you can think about And when you think about them, you pull the emotion from your past forward into your present. And so when you ask yourself, what is the most meaningful, powerful moment of your life so far? That is a moment that you can use when you're conscious. You have to be conscious to utilize that moment, to pull that moment in your present moment, to pull those emotions forward to empower you or to help delude emotional moods, if you will. And I'm going to tell you the story about the most meaningful, powerful moment of my life so far. And at the time of this recording, it's my birthday and and it's the 29th of December and four days ago is Christmas. And I thought about Casper in the last episode. I had the episode of the magical bracelet and I referenced my dog Casper that looked like Falcor from the never ending story and I had a lady friend up in Fairbanks, Alaska, (coughs) excuse me, and we went to the dog pound and there's this little bitty white dog that leaned up against the cage and just put its torso against the cage and I put my finger through the cage and I pet its torso and it was so dang cute. Little puppy, don't know, 15 pounds, eight pounds, little puppy. And we went home and we thought about it and we got her the next day and they said they thought that she was half Great Pyrenees and half White Shepherd. And we named her Casper because she was pure white. 
She had this little nose, the color of like a pencil eraser, this pink nose and these gorgeous brown eyes. And she didn't really shed. She was almost hyperallergenic where she never stunk. Um, she never had the dog smell. And she was just a beautiful, beautiful dog that I shared a lot of experiences with. I remember up in Fairbanks, I would show her the northern lights, the whole sky. It's just like a mosaic of colors, and I'd point Casper's head up, and I said, look, Casper, it's the Northern Lights, and I don't think she got it, but I got to share the moment with her, and one Christmas, I was in Anchorage, Alaska, and I walked outside of my house, and it was the foggiest day I've ever seen in my life. Imagine a day so foggy that you couldn't even see the neighbor's house, and the neighbor's house was not that far away from yours. And I couldn't see the neighbor's house. It was Christmas morning, but I was going to take Casper out on a walk. And so I decided to break a pattern and take her on a different walk than I've ever taken her before. And in Anchorage, Alaska, they'd have these lakes, Lake Hood and Lake Spinard, where they would have small airplanes that would fly off of them and airstrips. It was the largest small plane or one of the largest in the planet at that point in time. And I walked her up around Lake Hood and Lake Spinard, which I had never done before. And it was just maintain that fogginess and walked her, I don't know, it's probably a two or three mile trek and then walked her into the neighborhood. And then the sky, right when I'm in the neighborhood, it, the sun shone right down on top of me in the super foggy day and I was stunned that the, that the sky opened up on me and I looked around and I saw fog everywhere and I could kind of see this little kid with their Christmas gifts like a little fire truck in, in through the fog and I wondered if anybody could see that the sun was like opened up right on me and so I thought it was definitely a magical moment, definitely a unique experience and then I, I walked a little further and then when I got on the street that I lived on it's like the sun was opening up and starting to bust through the clouds and it was on me, not necessarily directly on me, but it felt like it with rainbows running both sides of it on Christmas Day. And that was a magical moment that I had thought about a couple days ago on Christmas that I shared with Casper. Now I, ref I referenced, referenced that Casper was like Falcor from The NeverEnding Story. She became a hundred pound dog and she loved me more than anybody and I took her everywhere I went and when you eat food sometimes when you're eating something you really love that last bite is precious I would always give that last bite to her which I felt was a sign of a pure love and I, she'd be in the back of my car and I'd put it in the back of my hand and I just gently feel her little dog lips take it out of my hand and just love that dog if I ever brought a lady over to my house she'd get right in between me and the lady Casper was a female and she'd shepherd the lady away. She'd go on my bed. She'd, she'd mark my bed. She'd say, this is my bed, not your bed. And so it was pretty funny how territorial she was and how she loved me and I loved her. And two houses down, there was a house that had a chow and I would keep Casper on the tether outside and the chow came down and got into a fight with Casper and hamstrung Casper. And I came home and I saw Casper with blood on her leg and, and muscle was sticking out of her leg and I was trying to poke it back in and I took her to the vet and the vet worked on her and stitched her up and the vet told me that this was an amazing dog, that this dog had this high tolerance for pain and when they were looking at the wound that she let her look at the, or them look at the wound and they said that was highly unusual for a dog to have that much trust and without anesthetizing them or putting her down, let them look at the wound. 
and I don't know if they treated it, it was so far back in time now, but they did make that statement. And then Casper needed to have her knees. Um, so some dogs get hip dysplasia, some dogs have eyes, some dogs have knees. And I paid $1,500 for each of her knees. And this is, like I said, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And for me, it wasn't a choice, it was love. She was my family member and, and I'm gonna take care of her. And I had her knees reconstructed and the surgery seemed to work out really, really well. And then, you know, she'd sleep not on my bed, but in my bedroom on the floor. I heard her whimpering one day and I went down onto my hands and knees and I said, what's going on, girl? And I scanned in her body and, and her, I felt her upper arms or legs right where the wrist would be. And I felt a little swollen and I took her to the vet and the vet got x-rays and this guy was really really beautiful man as far as compassionate and he comes into the office and the first thing out of his mouth is i have some bad news and i said what's the news and she he says well she has an osteosarcoma and i said well what does that mean and that means that she has bone cancer and she's going to probably die and i said well what's my choices and he said well you could give her chemo or you could take her arm but you're really just buying her time and it's kind of like the quality of life question like what's the quality of the dog's life and at that point in my life i didn't have the courage to put her down so i had them take her arm and i remember when they took her arm as the front left arm and the right arm kind of centered underneath her torso and when i came in when she took her arm she still jumped up you know she was a big dog 100 pound dog so she jumped up and she was so excited to see me and then when I took her outside, she leapt right up in the Chevrolet truck I had at the time. And so it was crazy just to see her right after the surgery, still have the spring in her back legs to jump up into the truck. And now when you know your dog's gonna die, every day becomes precious. It's like, oh my God, I love you so much and I'm gonna lose you. Almost everybody that's listening to this has gone through this in some way, shape or form with a person, a pet or a cat. It's a universal experience. And so I'm going through this experience and, and I'm doing my best to just really, really enjoy the moment and to love Casper. And I would take her for walks and each walk was precious. And I was working out in Dutch Harbor at the time and I asked my boss if uh, I could take my dog out to Dutch Harbor with me. That's where some of you maybe have seen the show or heard of the show called The Deadliest Catch where you would have the crab fishermen and that was the most dangerous job on the planet or one of them and they had this reality show on that. Well, that's where it was filmed at Dutch Harbor and they were building an elementary school there and so I brought Casper out there with me at the same time at 9-11. I shared 9-11 with Casper and it's one of those stark moments that every, nobody forgets and I would take Casper for these walks. The Aleutian chain in Alaska is known as the Panhandle. Like if you picked up a pan by the handle, it's all those islands that come down at the end, these series of islands. And I've spent a lot of my life on those various islands in my first career when I was working in construction. And Dutch Harbor was one of those islands. And so you have these volcanoes that pushed out of the ground and they become these mountains, like these treeless mountains that are absolutely quite gorgeous because you see this large white or large green grass would undulate. It would just flow and like they'd come alive. 
and I incredible fishing, of course, right there in the middle of the ocean next to the sea. And I would be with Casper, and I would take her for these walks at nighttime on these mountains, and I'd let her off of her tether because there wasn't much traffic, and we'd have these beautiful moments. And one day I, I lost her momentarily, and I looked for her, and she was right up at the top of this hill, not the top of it, but on the side of the mountain, my three-legged dog. And just like a parent might be super, super terrified if their three-year-old kid was on the side of a mountain, I was kind of worried for my dog. <laughs> How'd you get up there and how are you going to get down? And I said, Casper. And she looks at me and I said, down, down. And she starts running down at full speed with that one arm in front of her. And when she gets down, she looks so proud of her. And I said, look at you. You still climb mountains. Even though you're sick, you're still climbing mountains. And I'm learning these lessons for Casper as she's dying of cancer. And then when I got back to Anchorage, I would take her for the walks and of course, in Alaska, you have the snow and you have the icy streets and they have to hop on that front leg. When they'd hop, it would slip and her jaw would hit the ground and it just like slap and she'd get up with this smile, just, just this big smile. And I said, look at you, you fall down and you still get up with a smile. And then she'd slip again and she'd get up with a smile and slip again and get up with a smile. And she kept on getting up with a smile and I'm going, oh my gosh, what am I learning from this beautiful, beautiful creature? Falco or Casper, you know, universe, thank you for this lesson. And then one day I'm walking her and we're in this little bitty tug of war match and we're in this tug of war match and we're going back and forth, back and forth in this tug of war match and I pull her through, she's on the tether, but the next day she stops in the same location and she's really interested in something by this dumpster. So I let her off of her tether and she hops over to the garbage can and she picks up the biggest bone I've ever seen in my entire life. And at that moment, a miracle happened. My dog that was slowing down because of the cancer now had all of this energy because she had a purpose like no other purpose. And that was to get down on this bone. So she took off like a greyhound around a racetrack. And I don't know what's in her mouth. I just know it's the size of a dinosaur bone. So I'm literally jogging, trying to catch up to my dog to see what she has in her mouth. And then she's down the street chewing on it. Then once she sees me, she picks it up and runs all the way home. So now it's nighttime in Alaska. I'm underneath this light. I'm trying to tug of war this thing out of her mouth. And it's a giant rack of ribs, probably these five inch ribs. And I've heard that ribs can, you know, splinter in a dog's throat. But at this point, you know, I figured, you know, it was close enough to the day. Go ahead and eat your bones. And she ate them and she didn't have any issues with splinters in her throat. And so now every day that I'm walking her, it's getting a little slower. And it's getting close to that day that I was dreading, you know, putting down my friend. Just absolutely dreading putting her down. And I had my friend with me, a lady friend, and the vet, and I bought her a steak from Cattle Company the morning of her death, and, and when the vet put her down, and I'm telling her, I grabbed her by her, her little beautiful face, and I said, I love you so much, girl. Thank you so much for being a friend. You're the best friend I could ever have. And as the vet was giving her the injection, she looked right in my eyes, and it felt like she transmitted reciprocal response back to me. I love you, Michael. Thank you so much for being a friend. Thank you for the experience. And then she closed her eyes. And it took me about a year to figure out, but that was the most meaningful, powerful moment 
of my life so far at that point in time. Because that was about the real thing. That was about life and death, honoring life, honoring death. That was about being present, showing up for somebody or something that you loved that was dying. And that moment gave me the ability to be with my mom when she died. And my mom, with on her last breath, it, it helped. It absolutely helped. And it's, it's a grounding moment. And that was the advent of badass moments these moments in life that can empower us. When you think about them, they can empower us. And when I say with consciousness comes capabilities, or if you go back and listen to the podcast that says, who's the boss? You're the boss, or I'm the boss. The boss is your consciousness. And you can point your consciousness at any moment in your past if you choose to empower your consciousness to pull that feeling forward into your present moment to change the way you feel in the present. So if I'm feeling a little down, I could think about a moment in my past that was up and it lifts me up to a degree from the down. And if I do it enough, it will pull myself up. So badass moments, moments that you're super grateful, powerful moments, charismatic moments, magical moments, synchronistic moments, joyous moments, all of these moments in your life and your past are useful if you need to pull them forward in the present moment for a situation. So if I need to have a moment that I'm socially, well, let me say it's Christmas this year. I primed myself for Christmas because I wanted to make sure that Christmas was great. So I spent a half an hour being grateful and, and going into the moments. And Christmas this year was magical. It was really, really beautiful. and. I absolutely give myself a little bit of credit for changing my emotion so that my emotion has an effect on the emotions of everybody around me because everybody's interconnected. And that was the most meaningful, powerful moment of my life so far. If you like this podcast, please share it, please subscribe to it, and please rate it. Have a marvelous day. Thank you.